0: If the SWAC coaches are correct, and we have Southern versus FAMU in this year's SWAC championship game, I have a storyline to watch that I've heard nobody else discuss. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For coming to locked on HBCU, making this your first listen of the day every day. But remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter. Actually, my Twitter just turned to an X on nah, forget it, bro. Follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Starts with the Ness, ends with the S. Today's episode will end off. With a conversation around Tennessee State football and where they and where they are expected to finish in the Big South slash OVC. And we start off the episode with a whole lot of FAMU. We start off with a whole lot of FAMU, first off, with their football team and a potential finish in the SWAC championship game. And then we discuss their new women's basketball coach. We have a stacked show for you today, but I want to get into a storyline that I haven't heard anyone else bring up. Not a single person I've heard bring this up. Now, we are a bit removed from SWAC Media Day. That was about uh, about almost a week ago, I think six days ago at this point. So we're moved from there. But one thing that I really want to highlight is that Southern versus FAMU, the predicted SWAC championship game, would have a really intriguing storyline, and I will call it the someone's got to get over the hump championship game, because that's exactly what it represents. Now, I don't love media days. I'll be honest with you. I do not love conference media days. To me, it's a bunch of coaches and a bunch of players tiptoeing around conversations and trying to say things that aren't going to get them in trouble while they're on ESPN. They don't want to give anybody else motivation. They don't want to say this. It's bland to me. But sometimes it gives you some good information and it's useful every year. I mostly like to look at the preseason all-conference team, and then the preseason offensive and defensive player of the year. That's what I like to look at. But there were some things that you could take from it. And when I'm looking at that poll, you know, it's a prediction. But if they're right, and it's Southern versus FAMU in the SWAC championship game, you will have two teams who, quite frankly, have not been able to get over the hump over the last couple of years. That's what they they haven't been able to, for whatever reason. It's different for each team, but let's break it down. Let's get into it because I want to start off with the Rattlers because with FAMU, they've been excellent. One thing you cannot take from FAMU is just how good that they have been over the last couple of years. You can make arguments about this and that and uh, what what game they didn't win and where they should have been in the postseason or maybe not have been in the postseason. You can have all of those conversations, but at the end of the day, if the question comes up, was FAMU a good team, a really good team in 2022 or 2021? The answer has to be yes. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. If the question is, was FAMU able to get to the Celebration Bowl? The answer to that is no. And that is the hump that I feel like they need to get over. Just just getting there. Of course, you want to win it, but they haven't been able to get there. And they've been so close repeatedly. When many people look at FAMU, they likely think that that hump is Jackson State. And if you feel that way, fair enough. To me, that's a small chunk of the bigger hump of not being able to get to the Celebration Bowl. But let's explain this. Because over the last two years, let's just say that FAMU was the second best team in the SWAC period. Records would indicate that. They've only lost one game in the conference. It was the Jackson State both years. They played multiple teams in the conference. One would think, that fam, was the second best team. And if Jackson State was not there and they had to go against anyone else, they would likely have won the SWAC. So let's operate with that thought process. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole of what would have happened. Let's just say that the only reason they didn't win the SWAC and make it to the Celebration Bowl is because of Jackson State. Well, that's their hump over the last two years, but you wind back. Let's go to 2019. 2019, seven and one in the conference, best conference record in the MIAC at the time. But unfortunately, they were ineligible for postseason play. So no Celebration Bowl for them. So you're right there. You actually have the best record. You finally accomplished what you haven't been able to do in the other three years. I have one more year I'm about to tack on to make that third year. But in the other three years, you were just right there, but weren't able to get over the hump. This year, you actually did get over the hump. But someone told you, you can't do anything this year about it. So now you go back to 2018. North Carolina a went to the Celebration Bowl that year. And they only lost to one team in the Miac on that season. And that was Florida A&M. So fam, you knocks off North Carolina a and They have everything set up for them going into the last three games of the year. And they lose all three, two of which were conference games. All you had to do was beat Howard or beat Bethune-Cookman. And you're in a celebration bowl. So yes, over the last two years, it's been Jackson State. It's been that one game. But they've been one game away from the Celebration Bowl countless times. So getting to the SWAC Championship game is not getting over the hump. If they beat Jackson State and then they lose to Southern in the SWAC Championship game, to me, they haven't progressed. They just found another route to the same destination, and that's being one step away from the Celebration Bowl. That is their hump. So maybe they get over that hump. But then you look at Southern, and the SWAC Championship game is a much more direct barrier for the Jaguars than it is for the Rattlers. Because for the Rattlers, I've explained it. You've had postseason bands, bans. You have Jackson State. You've had a collapse at the end of the year. You've had a bunch of things where you were right there on the precipice of a celebration bowl, and you weren't able to get there. But you look at Southern, it isn't even all the way about the celebration bowl. We could put, kind of put that to the side. But when it comes to the Jaguars, they have won the SWAC in 2013. They won it multiple times before that. But their last SWAC championship was in 2013. Since then, they've made it to four SWAC championship games. They haven't won a single one. It's not just about the Celebration Bowl era. It's about the fact that you haven't been able to get over a SWAC championship hump in the last decade, right? So you're looking at 2013. We're in 2023 now. So you're going on 10 seasons in four appearances. Nearly half of those years since your last championship, you were actually in the title game. You just weren't able to win. That is your hump. You look at Eric Dooley. He was there last year. They got there, they faced Jackson State. The year before that, Prairie View faced Jackson State. And Prairie View's head coach was who? Eric Dooley. So in a way, for Dooley and Southern, winning a SWAC championship game is a hump they haven't been able to get over. So if you have Southern, and you have FAMU, and they're facing off in this year's 2023 SWAC championship game, they're both looking for a hump, both trying to get to the celebration bowl. FAMU is like, we can't be one step away for what? Five years in a row, now the fifth season in a row, you're one step away. And then Southern's just like, we can't lose in our fifth straight SWAC championship game. One of those things isn't going to happen. But if it's SWAC, or excuse me, if it's Southern versus FAMU, one of those things will happen. So someone's got to get over the hump, right? That's a very interesting storyline. Most people stop at the divisional winners and they don't look at what it means for that SWAC championship game. But here on Locked on HBCU, we went on into the future and we looked towards December and just what that could mean for the SWAC. And now we're going to cycle back to FAMU specifically and look at just the Rattlers. But we're not looking at Willie Simmons and the football team. They have stability through multiple conferences. The MEAC, SWAC, they've had stability at the head coach position. The same cannot be said for FAMU's women's basketball team. But now they have Bridget Gordon and they're hoping that all of that turns around. And we'll look at the ramifications of it as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And let's use Coach Gordon as a little bit of an analogy, because just like a championship team, your car requires the right parts, whether that's the right backcourt or the right front court or the right coach or the right depth pieces. You have to make sure you have the right parts for your car. And with eBay Motors, you have a guaranteed fit, meaning if it doesn't fit your car, you can send it back. You get your money back. No problemo. The thing about that, though, is there's no reason that it shouldn't fit, because if you put your car type into the motor or excuse me, into the my garage section, you'll only have parts that fit your car. No having an Escalade trying to get parts for a, a, uh excuse me, for an Avenger. None of that. All you have to do is put your car into the My Garage and you will be set going forward. To so have over 122 million parts and counting. So just go to ebaymotors.com, get the guaranteed fit. Go to ebaymotors.com with the guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, and for my every dayers. Guess what? We're back to every day, Monday through Friday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. La- anyway, but anyway, 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 we're no longer singing, but we are going to be back. Not Saturday though, but Monday through Friday, every single day. We will be here five days a week because we're ramping back up to get ready for the college football season. So, with that being said, let's break down a little bit of women's basketball. I know that's a turn, uh, kind of a turn, but Coach Bridget Gordon is bringing in or is being brought in to bring a little bit more stability and winning to FAMU. Two of those things they have been severely missing over the last five years. They just haven't had it. But before we look at what she's walking into, let's look at who is walking into that situation, right? So you're looking at Gordon, who has a really impressive resume as a player. As a coach, she's trying to develop that a little bit more, and I think that, fam, you will be key for her. It's her first job as a head coach, but she has a bunch of experiences to pull from, and we'll look at that. But let's first go down this freaking long menu of of success that she's had. So, In the 80s, the late 80s, 85 to 89, she was a player under Pat Summit at the University of Tennessee. And not only was she a player who was able to witness success, she was a key part of that success and a star player for Tennessee for a period of that time. So you're looking at a player who went to four Final Fours. So every single year, she won two national championships. And really, in that senior season, 89, is when she really took off and when she was really able to excel and get all of the personal accolades to kind of justify not only her position on that team but solidify her position in history as well so you're looking at final four mvp that year in addition to being the sec player of the year sec female athlete of the year and then she was the sec tournament champion or excuse me sec tournament mvp for the second year in a row that senior season for mrs gordon was absolutely phenomenal like we we cannot understate that Two-time All-American. And in 88, she was invited to play for Team USA. All of these things that worked in her favor are a reason that she was an all-1980s decade player. It's a reason that she's in three Hall of Fames. Yeah, one, two, three. The University of Tennessee Hall of Fame. She's in the State of Tennessee Hall of Fame. And she's in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. This is a well-decorated player. So that's her laundry list. Of accomplishment. She ended up playing Pro Ball overseas. She also played in the WNBA, I believe, for two seasons. But shortly after retiring, I believe she retired in 2021. And then in 2024, she started coaching. She's been on the assistant ranks. She's bounced around. And I think that bouncing around gives you a multitude of styles. I think there is something to be said for. And maybe this is putting a positive spin on it, but if it is, cool. But I think there's something to be valued for not only being successful, but then also seeing and experiencing multiple different styles. That way you know what you like. That way you can take bits and pieces from this. Okay, I'm not really a fan of this person's style all the way, but I do like the way that he or she did that. I'm not a fan of this person's style all the way, but I like the way that he or she did that. I really like your style, but there's one or two things I don't particularly like or I don't think I would succeed at. You don't always get that when you're around just one person. So there is something to be said for that. And that's kind of like what she did. She bounced around a multitude of colleges. She even spent some time at University of Tennessee. But all in all, her best time was being a part of Wichita State, where she was there and they went on a 5-year run of five straight postseason appearances. They excelled, developed multiple all-conference players, even got a player to the league. Like this was a this was a stop that I felt showed her ability to be a part of success. But then also, it showed her ability to develop players. No, she didn't do any of those things by herself. She was an assistant at all of her stops. This is her first head coaching stop. But you're hoping that she can translate that into success of her own, because when you're looking at FAMU, they haven't had any sort of stability. They haven't had any sort of stability since. I'm. I'll, I'll put it lightly. At the worst, 2008. You fire in the middle of the season. Let's say fire because she's not a pro player. But she gets fired. You're looking at Ladon Gibson, and she gets fired. 2019, you have an interim head coach. The interim head coach actually goes on to be the full-time head coach the next season. Not because he did that great. I think they just I think they were just kind of taking their time finding another head coach. But now you had Gibson. You had the interim. Then you just had Coach Pillow, and she was the one who was um, who was brought in after the interim. And now she only stayed for two years and now you bring it in coach Gordon. So that's four head coaches in five seasons because the first time you fired Gibson interim head coach, then you had two with um, with pillow and now you're bringing in Gordon for that fifth season. Obviously there's not a lot of winning in that timeframe. I don't think one has to be a rocket scientist to know. that, Because that's kind of the SWAT tenure. She was only there for two seasons, had the COVID year, but they didn't play at all. So she was only there for two seasons, both in the SWAC, third worst team in the conference the first year, four and 14 in the conference, five games away from the eighth seed, the exact same thing the next season. And they had Dylan Horton, who was one of the best scorers in the conference. So you, 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 I would say you underachieved. You're not, you're supposed to be better than that. She resigned I think the writing was on the wall. It was like, okay, we're going to let you resign. We don't say we don't want to say we fired you. But now you go in and you have another head coach. And you're hoping that she brings some winning. You're hoping that she brings some stability. You're hoping that she brings the winning wage from Wichita State and some of the success from her college basketball days to develop players. That's what you're looking for because if not, I don't know how long she'll be here. I don't. I don't know how long she'll be here. But I think that it'll work out. Maybe because I'm a, a – a, terrible optimist but I think it'll work out I think that her her experience in multiple coaching staffs and in her experience as a player and shown to be able to develop some talent I think it should work out for the Rattlers but we'll see not only next year but probably the year after because when you have a team who has lacked stability and winning for this long it's usually not a one-year process Usually not a one year process. But anyway, as we move forward, we're going to look at something that definitely hasn't been a one year process. But will this be the last year of the process when it comes to Eddie George and his time at Tennessee State? We look at where they finished in the preseason Big South slash OVC polls as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. And Tennessee State is projected to finish fifth in the Big South slash OVC. And only time will tell if that's good enough. Because fifth could mean a couple of things. Fifth really could mean a couple of things. They want to combine three conference games over the last two years. And this is in the Eddie George era. And we'll get back to Eddie George towards the end of the show. But I did want to mention his name so we don't forget what we are going to come back to. They want to combine three conference games over the last two seasons. Now, last year, they went two and three, and they were third in the conference. That was because there was two teams who went undefeated and dominated the conference. Two and three is not impressive. Fifth place in a 10-team conference because they were at seven. But now they combined with the Big South. They were so the OVC and the Big South merged. Tennessee State was in the OVC previous to this. Now they're in the Big South, or excuse me, now they're in the Big South OVC. It's kind of confusing. I'm getting tripped up myself. But they are in a conference of ten teams. That is the point. The name of the conference is honestly irrelevant. But the point is, they are they are in now a ten team conference as opposed to a seven team conference. So we will we will see them in the middle of the pack at five. But that could have a 500 record. That could have a 500 record, maybe even a game above 500. Is that enough? I think that should be enough. I almost kind of feel like that should be mandatory. But at what point are we going to have a conversation about Eddie George's security? I don't think it happens this year unless they absolutely wet the bed. If they just come out and they're two and six or whatever their conference games are, they'd only win two, three conference games this year. I don't think we're going to look at them like, oh, they went from one to two, and now they're at three. No, I think you're probably going to have to win four, at least four conference games. If you don't, if you don't win four conference games, I kind of feel like at that point, we need to have a conversation of Eddie George, you're doing a lot for the unit for the university and for the program and how they're operating. But you're not winning games. And I kind of feel like if Eddie George continues on the path he's at right now and and, and listen, I'm cutting him some slack because he's talking about how he had he doesn't have the right guys around him. He doesn't have the right this, that and the third around him. Okay, I hear that. I'm trying to think of how I want to say it. There's only so long that I can allow that to go, right? There's only so long that I can allow you to say you don't have the right guys. There's only so long I can sit here and say, oh, I gotta, I gotta get my style. I kind of feel like Eddie George would be really well suited for some sort of like managerial position, something where he can just oversee and help this university continue to make the steps he has. But for me, I'm looking at you like, all right, three years into the program, if you only win five conference games in three years, if you weren't Eddie George, you'd probably be out of here. But you're also doing so many things. So it's kind of a conundrum. Um, I don't know how to feel about it all together. You have one player to watch. They didn't do all conference team. They did players to watch at each position. It was like a bunch of them, too. Draylen ellis the quarterback was your only offensive player that was somebody to watch but you had five on the defensive side so i guess the hope is the offense performs better than expected while the defense performs kind of right at expectations or exceeds the expectations as well i think that is what you're probably going to be looking for but overall it'll be something that is it it is something to watch and it will be something that is fascinating I have to reach out. I might reach out to my guy my guy Mo Carter and see if, if Eddie George is on the hot seat. And if he is or if he isn't, I might throw a little comment in there. But we'll be back tomorrow. We will be back here tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow. It's only a day away. I was in the play when I was in fourth grade. I wasn't anybody important. I was just one of the background people. but. Still remember the song. Anywho, anywho, tomorrow, tomorrow's episode of Locked on HBCU. I spoke about this on Friday. If you missed Friday's episode, please go back and listen. But it's the idea that the first two games for Jackson State are going to be very telling. And I'll tell you why on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other family, and hopefully I'm significantly less scattered brain tomorrow than I was today. Until then, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.